This is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, and I'm reminding you to make sure you never miss a single episode of this podcast by subscribing in your favorite podcasting app, such as iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, any other podcast app you use. Make sure you add our RSS feed. Make sure you rate, review. We appreciate the feedback, and it helps promote and grow the show on those various podcasting apps you may be using. So we appreciate all the support you can lend in that capacity. We also want to make sure you stay connected and are a part of the show by following us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and liking our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Submit your questions to add to the show at any time, especially on Twitter. We always check those mentions before we go into recording an episode. Coming up in today's episode, Ricky Ronnie, a f- offensive coordinator, is moving on and taking on a head coaching gig. We'll talk about that in our opening segment. We're also going to give a quick touch on the recruiting sense as we're just a little over a week away from the early signing period. Penn State did pick up a new recruit to add to that class of 2020 on Monday, so we'll talk about that as well. And, of course, the Heisman Trophy announced their list of the finalists for this year's award. We'll go over that and kind of reflect on Penn State's own quest to get another Heisman Trophy winner in our third segment of today's episode. So sit back, relax, enjoy today's episode, and again, make sure you're following along on all the social media platforms and on your favorite podcasting app of choice. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started. I know recently on the podcast, we have talked about the ongoing coaching carousel, and we spent a lot of time focusing on James Franklin's uh, part in that whole conversation as far as the news headlines are concerned. Obviously, that was silenced a little bit with the recent contract extension, which we talked about in yesterday's episode, so go ahead and check that out if you want. But I know a couple times in previous weeks as we talk about the coaching carousel, I've mentioned the fact that I didn't expect that any of the main members of the Penn State coaching staff were going to be connected to some of the vacancies that were out there at the time that we recorded. One of those vacancies was the Old Dominion vacancy, which, of course, has now been filled. Offensive coordinator Ricky Brownie has been named the head coach of the Old Dominion Monarchs, a relatively new FBS program that has only been around for a little over a decade now. They just had their longtime coach, Bobby Wilder, resign earlier in December. He's the only coach that they've ever had. So Ricky Brownie is actually stepping into a pretty unique situation to kind of take charge of that program moving forward and see what he can do with it. And overall, this is a great opportunity for him to become a head coach and you know obviously you want to get into a good situation I think Old Dominion is actually a pretty decent situation for a first-time head coach like Ricky Ronnie so obviously the big question is what does this mean for Penn State and of course this is going to lead so many different ways here I can only speculate as of right now where Penn State goes but I guess the first question we should also address is whether or not Ricky Ronnie is going to be the offensive coordinator for Penn State in the upcoming Cotton Bowl and a lot of times you see coordinators take on head coaching jobs and sometimes they will follow through and coach in the bowl game other times they'll move on and just focus all their attention on their new program that they're in charge of I don't know if there's really a perfect answer for this 
And obviously, Ricky Vrani is the one who's going to have to make his own decision on what he wants to do. And of course, I'm sure James Franklin would be willing to let Ricky Vrani do whatever he wants if he chooses to coach in the upcoming bowl game. We'll obviously know on Wednesday whether or not Ricky Ronnie probably has a decision made on that. That's when he's going to be formally introduced as Old Dominion's next head coach. He'll meet the media, answer some questions, and that may be one of the questions that certainly pops up. I don't know if anyone's going to ask that question as it relates to Penn State, but I think uh, people that cover Old Dominion are going to want to know, is this new head coach going to split some duties over the coming weeks uh, between preparing Penn State for the Cotton Bowl, preparing the offense for the Cotton Bowl, and what he has to do with uh, coaching at Old Dominion. Obviously, recruiting is coming up very soon here uh, with the early signing day, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in today's episode. So I don't know what the, the perfect solution here is. If he's, if Ricky Ronnie coaches the offense in the Cotton Bowl, I would not be surprised. I do think there is a benefit to having a new head coach of a young program getting a chance to showcase what he can do in a big spotlight opportunity like the Cotton Bowl presents. So I think there's a lot of benefits there for Ricky Ronnie. I also think that it would be a good opportunity if James Franklin feels that his next offensive coordinator is already on the staff, let them go in and kind of dabble with the offensive playbook a little bit, see what they can do to get the offense going in the Cotton Bowl. But ultimately, I think we're going to be talking about a brand new offensive coordinator at Penn State, and that's going to be one of the big offseason tasks that James Franklin and his uh, program are going to have to address. And I don't anticipate that this is going to be a long search. I don't know where they look. I'm not going to drop any names right now or anything or ideas of where they should look. But I do think Penn State is a very attractive program. They've got a lot of talent, as we discussed in yesterday's episode, especially on that offense. It's going to be a pretty good offense to get somebody to work with. I do think that you know James Franklin has certainly been loyal to, quote, his guys over the years, going back to Vanderbilt and carrying them over to Penn State, like Ricky Ronnie coming up from Vanderbilt to Penn State and being a longtime member of that James Franklin coaching staff between the two programs. But I do think that there is something to be said about bringing in some new blood. They certainly did that with Joe Moorhead a few years back, bringing in him uh, after being a head coach at Fordham. Obviously, he's now at Mississippi State as the head coach. And we saw the success that Joe Moorhead had with the offense during his brief time at Penn State. Obviously, he had some really good players like Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley uh, doing things on offense, which was pretty good to have at your disposal. But I think that uh, getting a chance to bring in somebody new to guide the offense and really kind of get them back to playing at a high caliber level, I think would be key. It's a very essential development that has to be done if Penn State is going to take that next step in 2020 and compete more with Ohio State, maybe even get past Ohio State and, of course, everyone else that's in this conference, the Big Ten. So this is going to be a crucial hire for James Franklin, whether he has to go out of the house or stays in-house. And again, I don't know what James Franklin is thinking right now. I don't know what the timeline's going to be, but it is certainly going to be something we're going to be paying very close attention to. A lot of people have uh, probably been waiting for this to happen with Ricky Ronnie maybe having an opportunity to go elsewhere because sometimes it can be addition by subtraction. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think Ricky Ronnie's a little bit of a better coach than some people may want to give him credit for. Obviously, we've seen some pitfalls with the offense, so it is a concern. Uh, but this has been something that 
Yeah, I don't know if you can necessarily shift all the blame of Ricky Ronnie for that. I think he did a lot of good things during his time at Penn State. So we'll see what he does at Old Dominion. And of course, we'll see where Penn State goes with the offensive coordinator search. Thing to keep an eye on in the coming days, in the coming weeks, for as long as this drags out. I do think that James Franklin and Penn State will act relatively quickly on getting a new offensive coordinator, though. While we don't pay too close attention to recruiting on this podcast, now is a very good time to be doing just that because we are fastly approaching the early signing period for college football. It's actually going to be on December 18th is when it starts. They've been trying to get that in before Christmas, and I think a lot of coaches seem to be on board with that because as we have seen over the last couple of years with this early signing period, a lot of the big-name programs are going to lock down pretty much their entire recruiting class, or at least a vast majority of it. Obviously, there will still be some top players that are out there that hold off on making the decisions. Maybe they need to weigh their options just a little bit longer. But the early signing period is pretty big now for college football because a lot of coaches are putting a lot of pressure to get as many of their players locked in as early as possible because those scholarships may not be available later on. So it's very crucial to lock down your recruiting class as early as you possibly can. And the early signing period coming in just before Christmas certainly allows that opportunity for programs like Penn State and the other power conference and certainly the top teams in those power conferences to really kind of cement things. And, you know, they still leaves time to fine tune the recruiting class a little bit, maybe plug a couple holes. Obviously, on signing day, a lot of stuff can happen when you think you're getting a player committed to your school and then he ends up signing somewhere else. Uh, so we know the kind of drama that goes down on signing day. And this has certainly supplanted the typical signing day in February as the big time now. And it didn't take long to do that. So I was very curious how the early signing day was going to impact and change the recruiting game a couple years ago when it was first implemented. And we saw very quickly that it was a major change. And I don't follow the recruiting scene as closely as a lot of other people do. So I didn't necessarily know what to expect, but we see right now that programs are gobbling up their recruiting classes early as possibly can. And so when Penn State gets a chance to sign their class of 2020 in just over a week now, uh, expect many of the players to be signing their dotted lines and getting ready to join the Penn State program. On Monday, Penn State got a new commitment to that class of 2020 with tight end Theo Johnson committing another Canadian import, a 6'6", 242-pound tight end, will be enrolling in January. So he'll be an early enrollee. He'll get acclimated to the college life. And, of course, that will make him eligible to work out with the team and participate in spring football drills and, of course, maybe potentially the spring football game if all things go on according to plan with uh, Theo Johnson. So this is a nice new addition to the class. It's the second tight end that Penn State's bringing in along with three-star Tyler Warren of Virginia. So the tight end position continues to be a, a pretty solid position, I think, for Penn State in the years to come. Obviously, Pat Firemuth coming back next year kind of alleviates some of the need to get another tight end in the recruiting class, but it never hurts to have a good couple tight ends ready to go and kind of bump them into the rotation at some point in time. So obviously, Pat Firemuth coming back next year, you can give Theo Johnson, of course, Tyler Warren, a little bit more time to get caught up to speed, bulk up a little bit if they need to, and uh, get them situated in the offense. But uh, another good addition to the recruiting class. It seems as though 
uh, the whole family atmosphere was something that really won over Theo Johnson and his family when he came time to making his decision. And it's worth noting that Johnson actually picked Penn State over offers from Michigan, Georgia, and Iowa. And you know the history that Iowa has with tight ends. Michigan is certainly a, a recruiting juggernaut, and certainly Georgia, too. So uh, some good competition that Penn State won out with this uh, commitment for. So kudos to the coaching staff for being able to, to land Theo Johnson over those other schools that were in the running. Like I said, second tight end in the class. Penn State is now up to number 12 in the 247 or the 247 uh, cumulative or composite rankings, I should say. Uh, that's the second in the Big Ten. I don't know if that actually changed with this edition. Uh, it seems as though Penn State's kind of been floating around just outside the top 10 within the top 15. That seems as though they're in a pretty solid spot right now. No five-star players, but 11 four-stars, 17 three-stars. So it's, it's a good class that is certainly going to add some depth across the roster and that's uh, you know sometimes they're going to have recruiting classes like that where you may not have the five-star players but if you can get a good assortment of four-star players and some three-star players that maybe you can in, uh, develop and maybe improve along the way uh, this is a class that is certainly going to pad some depth this is going to be a young team remember in a lot of areas it's, you know especially this offense is still young you know, a lot of good players are going to be continuing to develop so this is a good opportunity to kind of pad the depth a little bit and like i said uh, the way that they're doing it with the players that they currently have lined up for this recruiting class seems as though it's going to be a pretty solid class again not one of the elite classes out there but a number 12 class still pretty good and it's second in the big 10 of course the only team ahead of them uh, among the big 10 teams as uh, the rankings as of this this moment is of course Ohio State, <laughs> so that that remains a problem, of course, for Penn State. But it does feel as though uh, James Franklin still has this program in a pretty good spot. And this goes back to something I said yesterday, when James Franklin got his contract extension. It's not a coincidence that he got that contract extension at the time that he did, because it's coming up just before signing day. So if they are still in the running for any other players that are out there that they really need to make one more sales pitch to and kind of drive home the idea that James Franklin is not going anywhere, sometimes that can be a, a tipping point in a recruiting battle. Because if some school is saying that you know James Franklin's looking around, he's not happy there, he's probably not going to be sticking around there, this contract extension puts that all to rest. So... We'll see if that has an impact on any other recruitment uh, updates between now and the early signing period. Like I said, Penn State has 28 players already lined up. Obviously, uh, you know how the numbers <laughs> get mixed and matched a little bit this time of year. But it's a big class. It's a big class. It's going to pad some depth around the roster. So uh, like I, said, I don't know if there's any other recruits out there that Penn State's trying to get signed for them. But having that contract extension at the time it is, I think is a pretty key piece of information for Penn State moving forward. So we'll see if that has any impact moving into the early signing period. Like I said, that it will begin again on December 18th. So it's coming up quickly. It's going to come up next week. We'll talk a little bit more about the early signing period, uh, maybe later this week, early next week. And of course, we'll recap everything that happens on the early signing day later next week after the signing day fun begins. This is the Locked On Indian Lines podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And guys, let me tell you about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? 
If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. The college football awards circuit is going to come down the final stretch this week as we go along. We've already seen a couple awards be thrown out there. We've got finalists for different awards still being announced. We have the college football awards show coming up Thursday night. So lots of stuff going on this week as far as the college football awards are concerned. And of course, that it was all going to lead up to the announcement of who is going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. On Monday night, we got our four finals for this year's award. They are, in no particular order, LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, and Ohio State defensive end Chase Young. It's the first time a team, or I'm sorry, the first time a Big Ten team has had two finals for the award since 1994, when Penn State's Kerry Collins and Kajana Carter were each on hand in New York to watch Colorado running back Rashawn Salam take home the award. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it is kind of interesting, though, because a lot of times when you have multiple finals from the same school, it seems like there's a good t- likelihood that those players will kind of split the votes, or at least from different regions. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a concern with this year's award. First of all, you have one defensive player and a quarterback from the same team. The odds a defensive player is going to win the Heisman Trophy, I think, look a little bit less promising as the years go by because I do think that this award is morphing into much more of a quarterback first, second, maybe third award. Maybe every now and then you'll get a wide receiver or certainly a running back that's going to figure into the mix. But it just feels like every so number of years, there's going to be a defensive player that gets there just because it, we need to have a defensive player there. And that says nothing to diminish what Chase Young has done this season. I just think it's a very long shot that he ends up winning the Heisman Trophy. I just think a lot of people probably put him on the ballot, maybe second or third on a lot of ballots, just because he is the best defensive player in college football. And some would argue the best player in college football. But we all know quarterbacks are the position of choice here when it comes to this kind of award certainly over the last decade or so quarterbacks are going to win this thing usually in a landslide and obviously as you see by the finalists we have three quarterbacks here justin fields jalen hurts and joe burrow now we all know the history with oklahoma these last couple years oklahoma has had back-to-back heisman trophy winners with baker mayfield in 2017 and last year with kyler murray I do not have a Heisman Trophy ballot, but if I did, LSU's Joe Burrow would have been at the top of my list this year. I think he's had a fantastic season, and I think he is a major reason why LSU is in the position they are right now because they actually play offense, and the fact that they actually have a quarterback that can play offense has been a huge difference maker for the Tigers this season. It's a big reason why they're undefeated, huge reason why they won the SEC championship game and a major contributor to why they are the number one team in the college football playoff field going into this season. So I think Joe Burrow is going to be LSU's first Heisman Trophy winner since 1959, which leads me to this. It's been a long time since Penn State has had a Heisman Trophy winner. And as I just mentioned, LSU has been waiting since 1959 to add a Heisman Trophy winner. They only have one in their history. Same deal with Penn State. Obviously, a little bit more recent than LSU's with John Capaletti being the last Penn State player, the only Penn State player, to win the Heisman Trophy back in 1973. So it's been a long time coming since Penn State has had a Heisman Trophy winner. And I think this is something that could potentially change in the somewhat near future. I think when you're going back as far as 1959, 1973, saying near future is obviously a relative term here. 
I'm not saying that anyone on this Penn State roster is going to win the Heisman Trophy next year. You know, Journey Brown's probably not going to win the Heisman Trophy next year. I would probably bet against that. But I do think that with the kind of skilled players that Penn State is bringing in, the kind of players that we're seeing be productive on offense the last couple of years, if that is something that continues with whoever this new offensive coordinator is going to be, you're going to have some players that are going to put up some numbers that are going to command some respect. And of course, if Penn State wins some of those big games and they win a Big Ten championship, they get into a college football playoff, that can help a Heisman campaign in a big way. I just listed four Heisman Trophy candidates or finalists this year. They're all playing in the college football playoff. I don't think that's necessarily a coincidence. Obviously, not every year every finalist is going to be in the playoff, but you know this particular year shows that uh, those are the kind of players that can lift a team, and obviously that's going to go a long way to carry uh, an individual's candidacy for an individual award like that. But even go, scaling things back a little bit, it's actually been a little bit of a while since we've seen Penn State have a Heisman Trophy finalist, and we haven't seen too many uh, finalists for Penn State since Penn State joined the Big Ten. I mentioned 1994 with Kerry Collins and Kajana Carter, of course, but there's only been, I believe, two other Heisman Trophy finalists since then. Uh, Michael Robinson was uh, just off the finalist list in 20, I'm sorry, 2005. So he was in, that was the year, it was pretty loaded, with Reggie Bush, Vince Young, Matt Leinart, and Brady Quinn all named as Heisman finalists. Michael Robinson was the fifth one there. The way it works is they tabulate all the votes and they see which group looks like the biggest uh, the biggest vote getters, and then they find a cutoff point. It's a different number every year. It's always not. It's not always going to be four, and won't always be three. I think one year, just recently, they had seven finalists. One year, uh, so I mean, it's a it's a different number every year. But you're usually going to have three or four probably finalists on any given year so michael robinson was that fifth guy in a loaded class that year uh just just missed that cutoff point by a pretty sizable margin behind brady quinn saquon barkley finished in fourth in 2017 they only had three finalists that year with baker mayfield stanford's bryce love and uh, lamar jackson who was the defending heisman trophy winner from 2016 so uh it is tough to be a finalist but I do think we're going to get to a point where we're going to start seeing Penn State sending somebody to New York, even as a finalist. And I think that would be a huge step in the right direction. Uh, Like I said, I mentioned uh, Michael Robinson. I did not mention the most recent Penn State Heisman Trophy finalist. And that was Larry Johnson, who was the the most recent one back in 2002. That was the year that Carson Palmer, uh, USC quarterback, took home the award. Larry Johnson actually finished third that year behind not only Carson Palmer, but Iowa quarterback Brad Banks. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens next year. Maybe Sean Clifford, maybe Journey Brown, or maybe KJ Hamler comes back and he has a big year. Maybe Pat Frymuth is going to be there. You know, I don't remember the last time a tight end was up for the Heisman Trophy. It's probably been a long time, but uh, hey, who knows? It could happen, right? It could, it could happen. I just don't think it will happen. But anyway. It's been a long time since Penn State has had a Heisman Trophy finalist. It seems like it's a very rare case, but I think we're going to get back to that point at some point as long as Penn State continues to bring in the kind of talent that they are and continues to thrive, especially on offense. And the more games that this team wins and the more big games that they win, the better case they will have moving forward. So it's all work in progress. I said yesterday, I think James Franklin has this program in a very good spot moving forward. 
but add a Heisman finalist and, of course, a Heisman Trophy winner to the to-do list for this program. They need to get back in winning a Big Ten championship. They need to get to the college football playoff. they got to win a college football playoff game. And they need to add a Heisman finalist to the mix. So I want to see all that done in the next contract extension that we have now for James Franklin. And, uh, hey, if he checks all those boxes off, that'll just be more steps forward for this Penn State program, something that James Franklin is clearly wanting to do in so many different ways. And that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Find your favorite sports team's podcast on the network because there's a lot of good stuff going on right there. If you're an NBA fan, NHL fan, NFL fan, got some baseball hot stove action going on, we've got a lot of teams covered, so check it out. Find another podcast on the network. You probably will not regret it. I'm telling you that right now. I know I've subscribed to a number of them covering some of my favorite teams. Hopefully you're going to add some to yours in addition to this one as well. Of course, you can also subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And I'll mention on Spotify, if you have us in your Spotify wrapped or your, your top podcast, take a snapshot of that. And send it to us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany, and we'll retweet you guys as well because it's going to help promote the show a little bit more and let everybody know that we are on Spotify, and hopefully we're going to grow some Spotify users as well. I will mention also that if you leave a rating and leave a review, that'll also help us out a whole lot because we appreciate the feedback. We want to know what you like, what you don't like, what we can do to improve, and it just helps with the placement on those various podcasting apps. So it really does go a long way. If you've got a free minute or two to spend and help us out, that would be greatly appreciated. And of course, make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. I'm also a contributor to AthlonSports.com and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. I know coming up later this week, I'm going to have a whole article on AthlonSports.com going through my team awards for Penn State this season. It's something I'm working on right now. It's due very soon. So when that is posted live, I will make sure you guys know about it. And maybe we'll even run through a little bit of it on the podcast as well. So that's it for today. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for all the support with the subscriptions and the social media follows, all that good stuff. Until the next episode, have a great Tuesday and come back. We'll do it again very soon. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you all later. Bye.